I'm pretending to talk in my sleep. I'm dreaming. All right, my dog would used to do that. So don't wake me up. Oh, and this miracle nutrition with Hardy White. I'm going to tell you about my dreams. Not like when the boring guy at work does it. These are good ones. To sleep, perchance to dream. To dream, perchance to live without fear. To live without fear, perchance to have joy. I'm going to stop saying perchance now because it's become a nonsense word. Uh, and I'm going to just say hippity hop or something like that. A dream. What is joy? What are your dreams, Hardy? I'm going to talk about that right now because I've been thinking about it. I have trouble dreaming. Not dreaming while I'm asleep. Ideas run through my head that are beyond my control. I'm talking about sort of fantasizing. As I lay down there in bed and I'm thinking I gotta think of something, I will use my mind and my imagination to go anywhere. What do you want, Hardy? I will take you there in your mind. Thank you, mind. I'm gonna go anywhere. It turns out my mind is a very negative 70s travel agent. So, no, I wouldn't go there like that. So it's, it just keeps, every time I have an idea, I'll take a cruise. Ugh, no. So I keep vetoing things and they don't, they aren't quite right. Nothing is ever exactly how I want it. I can't imagine joy sometimes because joy sneaks up on me. Oh, oh joy. Somebody I work with named Joy and Oh, I turn around there right there. So what are you doing there, Joy? And Joy says, I have very, very quiet shoes. It's not my fault. And also, I find that I, I hold my breath. I have wake apnea, where I just, I forget. I hold my breath because I don't want to uh, bother anybody with my breathing. You can be a little bit more flamboyant than that. Uh, your coworkers will tolerate it, won't they? Won't they, Joy? Am I annoying? I'm sure I am a little bit. I am to myself often, but I'm also extremely forgiving to myself. I take the self-loathing, I only take it so far. And mostly I take it only as far as I would if I was roasting my oral surgeon or something like that. Not literally cooking them. They don't need cooking. Mmm, they're sushi grade. No, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I don't want to offend someone who's going to be cutting my teeth apart. Oh, I, I, I wish I hadn't said that. I don't have any plans to have my teeth cut all apart. Now, see my dream. My dream is going to be stained with a broken tooth motif. That's happened to me before. I go, what are these? Are these pistachio shells that I spit out of my mouth here? In this? No. It's the remnants of my teeth. And then in my dream, I'm thinking, 
what am I not doing? Am I, is it taxes? I mean, I don't understand. What's my brain saying? Be, could you be more specific? Am I, you want me to work out? Just say it. I feel, you feel vaguely out of control. I'm either out of control or I'm not. What does it mean vaguely? Everything is sort of out of control. You're saying I had a philosophical thought and now I'm going to be tortured uh, with some painful image. Oh, no, I'm sorry, brain. So I want to take a little bit of control of my dreams. And you say, take a course in lucid dreaming from the free university at your local pay university. There's always a free one. Say, man, this is free. Free university's got classes in uh, all in the, well, it's not exactly a keto. I made it up. Uh, not I call it not keto dough or something. And you could take a class and everything. I remember that. And people say, oh, I'm going to take a free class. I'm brand new to the university. And this one's got, this is Marxism and card games. They're like, I guess they're trading cards because I don't think the same crew plays. Who knows? Who knows who plays what kind of cards? So you could learn that too. Say, I'm going to go to the different, I don't think they call them circles or tables. Maybe they call them tables, pinochle table you might go to or something like that. Scopa, that's my favorite. I play a lot of Scopa, so I'd go Scopa table. Oh, I'm playing cards right now, sort of, aren't I? And when I dream, when I sleep, I turn them over. What is your fate? Now, that's not my real fate. It's my dream fate. And I am sometimes in my dreams without fear. And I can tell the difference. Sometimes the dream's all. It's 100% fear. It's just like an all marzipan confection or something. As opposed to something that has a little bit more texture. So I have uh, recently had a profound dream, and that's really what I'm getting to. You say, what is a profound dream? A profound dream is a dream from which you wake and you think, oh my gosh, that seemed different than other dreams. We've all had them. I haven't had one. Now you're making me feel like I'm missing. Just wait. And then as I thought about it later in the day, my mind exploded. So that's good. You know, that's a good dream. Now you know you dreamt something. But it wasn't a sort of fantasy dream. It was unexpected. It's when your brain says something to you that you didn't know was in there or in a way that you thought was like, wow, that's especially good. When you watch, like you watch a Friends movie and then you watch something made with extreme care or something. You know what I mean? I don't want to single out one filmmaker. There's so many good ones. And then there's your friend. Um, your friend could be a good filmmaker, too. I don't know who's making f films these days. As I said, a lot of the cinema that I see is internal. And I'm not saying that my special effects are better than yours. But I do the, al the alternate cut I do sometimes comes right after a scene of the regular cut. So I imagine the variables, they're all mixed up in my mind. I don't think you could do that for a movie. So here's a scene, and interrupt it to do it a different way. But that's my, that's my brain. But everyone's brain, I think. And that's the difference between, so I'm going to make order of this chaos in my, in my head cinema. There's a riot in your head theater because Alfred Jerry's uh, 
Ubu Wah has just been staged, and there's great outrage because he said the French word for poopies, and he said it in such a way that it sounded dirtier or something, and then they, oh my gosh, I don't know that Alfred Jerry said it, whoever was playing Ubu, I think it was a, an actor named um, Billy, Billy Smoke. And um, the reason it sounded like I was making that up is because that's how my memory works. The past. Let's talk. I'm going to talk about time before I give you the punchline of my dream uh, talk. It is a dream talk. I'm talking you into Hardy. You're talking me into a dream. You've got me convinced. I'm going to go to sleep now. All right. You are sailing, selling some sort of slumber timeshares. I'm going to send you off to an unconscious condo where you will spend a week that it'll seem like a lifetime, like a yellow millet dream. Or like, what's that? That's when like Captain Picard thought he lived, he thought he lived a whole lifetime on a planet and he could play the flute. And that became canon. After that, he could play the flute. Okay. But they got that from Chinese mythology. So I'm putting you to sleep, maybe. Or I'm causing you to dream by giving you some ideas or scrambling things in your brain. Here's something I want to say about time. Now, obviously, the past is, has happened. Don't you think? I'm not sure, but I think it has because it seems to have consequences. And some of them we can agree on. And uh, well, a lot of them we can. And a lot of them, because they happen, they make other things predictable. You go, yeah, you know, you you did that. That's happened every single time that you drop that on your foot. I feel like it's going to happen again. I don't know. Let's see. Ow! That's how we learn, and we live, and we learn in the past becomes memories, and sometimes we take pictures of it. But it's a memory, and we store it away. Now, here's something I noticed about my own memories. Sometimes when I'm retrieving them, my brain doesn't make any difference, any dis distinction between when a thing happened in the past, just in the past. So they'll come back to me all out of order. Now they happen in order and their order is important. For instance, I was thinking about this today and it's my own, my old uh, saw an Elvis impersonator before you knew who Elvis was thing. So if that has happened to you, you can't flip that ever. So, and mine was thinking the chant batter, batter, batter was about cake batter and not something that you yelled at a sports participant to unnerve them. I'm going to get under their skin psychologically. I'm going to say cake mix, cake mix, like that. So that's been with me and has changed the pattern of my thought. Here's another example. My grandmother's diaries. I have found my grandmother's diaries, but I never lost them. She lost them when she died. She must be like, where'd they go? I can't find them. That's because I have them now, Grandma, because somebody moved into your place and we had to take all your belongings. I'm sorry. So they're not really diaries. I've discussed them before. She just writes down stuff that happens. You know, today went shopping, bought a rug, thing like that. It's not, it's not uninteresting. She doesn't comment on the events of the day. Sometimes she does. She said, went and saw this play. And Jane Fonda was in it. Very good. It was early 60s. They didn't know to not like her yet. So uh, I have this diary. And uh, I would find out things in it 
that happened to me as a child. So let's say yesterday I found out about something that happened to me in, in the late 60s or something. So he threw, Hardy threw up. So now I'm finding out about it just now. And I put it in my, I guess my sort of chronology. It's not very good. It's like a film biography that, that's not very thorough, right? It's just, here's, we're going to do a biography of somebody we don't know a lot about. That's how my internal view of my life is. I'm not sure I have, I don't have 100% retrieval. Oh my goodness. Give me a minute. Yes, that happened to me on, oh, they're all vague and dreamlike, my memories. And they don't come back to me always when I call them. They're like over-anxious dogs. I said, what? I didn't call you. Memory of, of uh, being humiliated in elementary school. All right, well, if you need me. And they'll run back to where they were. And, uh, they'll, you know, sometimes they're triggered. Sometimes they do hear, they think they hear their name. That's how the memories come back. So, you know, if you do, like, say you had a bully in high school named Greg or something. Hey, I'm not putting anybody down. I love, I love all my Gregs. Well, that's not a good name. I don't know. Bully. There you go. That's how you get around it. To call the bully, bully. So the person's name was Bully with a capital B. So how did you think they were going to turn out? Right? So bully, think bully. So then when you hear the... Uh, say, uh, oh, um, I'm going to this one man, Theodore Roosevelt show, play. It's a play about Roosevelt's life and uh, everything that he, you know, that we know about it. And at one point, you know, here we go, the, the life of Roosevelt. I'm here on San Juan Hill. And I've just, so it was, I don't know how he talked. And then he goes, the, uh, who's he what, is a bully pulpit. And I hear, bully, 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 bully. And it takes me back. And I don't want to go back to, uh, I go, not now, Mr. Wayback. And you go back to elementary school. And all of a sudden, you're sitting there during the play. And you're being bullied by bully. Who's pulling you. Why is he pulling on my underwear? I but it's wrong. I know I feel awful. And I might, what if I stand up and I go, I start cursing the actor who's playing Theodore Roosevelt. And they're all alone there on the stage. And I don't know who it is. I don't, it's nobody you'd know. It's no name you'd know. Go, go ahead, tell me how I am DBM. It's not, I don't know, it's a local person. They're very good though. They don't have to be famous. You can go to a play. I've gone to met a lot of local theater. I remember one time I was, uh, a friend said, come see me in a play. And they were a pretty experienced amateur actor. And I said, okay, I will. And they said, I said, what's the play? And they said, lend me a tenor. And I said, you get your, you should probably get a paying job. I'm so proud of myself for that. I just thought of that though. It's just, that was the, that was absolutely the play. So I said, all right, well, I'll go. I don't know. I guess it's a pun, and I guess it's an opera thing, or who knows. So I had never seen it before. And you're all going, oh, I love, I saw that. I saw that and Charlie's Aunt, uh, back to back. And I was 
sitting there and it started and I thought, wow, my friend is pretty good. I'm very surprised that that's not true of, of the everybody or anything else. And uh, then you realize like, wow, this is a very small theater. And this is like tantamount to, uh, I've come in during, they go, okay, make sure you've committed to this religious service because you can't leave during. All right, it's very long. All right, all right. It's a front row at a special mass called uh, in, the interminable mass or un, something like that, unmovable. Uh, oh, okay. And you're front row and you have to hold a thing. And that's what it felt like. So I was like, oh, I can't leave. And, uh, and I don't know if you know that, I'm, and I've never told this to anybody, but, you know, there's a point at which, so you start being entertained and then you're not entertained and then you're kind of entertained by the fact that you're not entertained and then you stop being entertained by that and then you start being provoked. So you stop being anything, coming close to entertain, and then you feel, then you feel trapped. And then you think, like, maybe I just should make a scene. Because you're in there and you're, if you've got theater things in your mind, you're thinking, okay, look, I saw I Love Lucy do this and it was not a disaster. It was embarrassing for a little bit, but she recovered. Next week, you don't even know anything happened. I fake a thing. Oh, like, oh, the place doesn't go, oh, my head, like that. I better leave. Oh, I hate to leave. I know it's not done. Like, acknowledge that it's the wrong thing. But I must now leave the theater. And you leave. In the Max Ophel film, The Earrings of uh, Madame, blah, 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 they get up and leave a performance a lot to the point it's kind of funny and annoying because she lies about having lost her earrings because she hawked them. Is that the word? She pawned them or she sold them back to the jeweler that sold them to her husband and got the money because she had a money problem. I don't. I forget what she was buying that she needed to sell the, the earrings. More and different earrings? I haven't seen the movie in quite a while. That's so funny. Was it a gambling debt? I don't remember now. Isn't it? That's something. I know it wasn't drugs, but that would have been good. Two things would have made the movie better. In color, it's drugs. She's selling it for drugs. The earrings of, uh, and that's why she doesn't want her last name used. And it's not in the, oh, you mean Madame? Like that. They do that. What are you talking about, Hardy? I'm doing a film review. If you're here to talk about dreams, you're in the right place, though. Dreams don't stick to uh, one one thing. That doesn't mean that everything isn't related. It's poetically related, and sometimes the poetry is on the level of puns, like my batter-batter thing. And, and you say, oh, a pun is the lowest form of humor or dad humor or something like that, but when uh, homophones are very interesting because they make uh, unintended juxtapositions that affect the way that you see reality. And I know that sounds strange, but they uh, they do that in the way that poetry does that. Poetry can wed different ideas, create a third thing, and then that's, that's there forever. 
So every time that you remember A, you'll remember B. And the only relationship B has to A is this event called Robert Frost's Stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening. Whose woods these are, I think I know. His house is in the village, though. So that's where you get um, village, though, from. That's where the famous town village, though, is named after that. Those things. Now those things are wed forever. What those things are? Harness bell, snow. I don't know what his t two paths. Every time somebody says that, they go, there's two uh, roads. Who's both of these roads? Who's a path diverged in a woods? Whose woods? I have no idea. There were two paths. One was marked the life of Robert Frost. The other was marked your destiny. I took the life of Robert Frost because I was intrigued. And oh, it has made all the difference because now I am trapped in Robert Frost's head. I don't want to be here. You'd think, oh, it's poetry. It's not. A lot of it is just local, like, like New England neighborhood things. <sighs> it's horror. It's a horror show living in here. And so I, I, I'm free when Robert dreams. He dreams about things of his youth, like some kind of potato soup keeps coming up, or I don't know whether he ever mentioned it. But because I am a resident of his dreams, I feel I know him intimately. I'm that way a lot. A lot of celebrities don't admit it, but they dream of me. So I don't want to admit it that, that, that Hardy White is in my head because, no, first of all, nobody would know what he... But I like when he gives me material. That's what I want. Really, say so Hardy came up with this and said I could have it because he gave it to me in a dream. What was it? It was a movie idea. Tell me about it. Guy or grown, uh, grown musk ox. Is that a thing? I'm trying to randomly generate it. That's what the best way to do it because if you base it on something, that's why a lot of people want to combine things. Say, well, you just told me the poetically combined things. So you would say, I want it to be like Revenge of the Nerds meets Ozu. And they go, I don't know. that. First of all, I think Ozu already is contained in the greater. Um, he did college movies. Um, a lot of things. He did a lot of things in the 30s and 40s um, that don't exist anymore. And they, a lot of them ended with an ellipsis. Like, I like Shemp, but was a good one. He did that one. And that's where we get the cut of meat, the Shemp butt, which my grandmother served for many, many years, I believe. Sweet morsel Shemp butt, it said. Oscar Mayer doesn't even make it anymore. I guess because I think, oh, we can't get the good stuff. This, and the Stooges, they aren't. They used to market to, uh, it's so funny. So they started, I guess, in the 70s, maybe putting cartoons and stuff on cereal. They go, eh, 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 eh. we're going to sell. Now, the Flintstones was in the 60s. So in the 70s, they thought, we're going to sell cereal. And the, the kids, they like the cartoons. 
So they put this really dated cartoon that kids were still watching because they're cheap, right? And they were showing these old cartoons on to sell this sweet cereal. So they put that on there. And this is like the 70s. Now, this is hilarious to me. It's still there. It's still there. It's like 60 years old. So that means in the 70s, it would be like, like a cereal that has like yellow kid on it or something like, you know, or, or I don't even know, Gertie the Dinosaur or some really dated, you know, uh, googly-eyed, scary Windsor McKay thing or something. Oh, that's it. Flip from, uh, from uh, what's his name who flew around the bed? Little Nemo. What are you talking about? Look all this stuff up. It's great. So all these cartoons... And there might be a Little Nemo cereal, and I'm saying something that's obvious. But it just seems to me funny that they don't have, not haven't really updated the cartoons on cereal. So, uh, so imagine, if you will now, come with me now as I take you to modern cartoons on cereal. It might go something like this. I don't really care, but it, it is an odd thing uh, how we use those memories to manipulate people, to trigger things, to make people uh, dream, to have wants and desires. Because I don't really, really feel anything for those Flintstones cartoon characters. But boy, they are indelibly imprinted on my brain, almost at the same level as relatives. Like, I think I met them before I met many of my extended family. Look at this. It's a, you know, it's the toys, too, and they give you a little, oh, who's that? You know, this is this is mama. Hello, mama. This is auntie. Hello, auntie. This is Fred Flintstone doll. Fuff, fuff, fuff. And, you know, and that makes the same, Fred Flintstone becomes the, uh, the equal of your auntie. And I call him Auntie Flintstone sometimes. And people go, I don't know what you're talking about. They go, I... You don't have to. But it helps me separate it a little bit. And I realize that so much in my life is a terry cloth monkey mommy to which I cling. But that is really an illusion, a substitute, and a cynical one put there to test the limits of human will, and to test the power of human desire, the thing of dreams. And these people, they've gone into your dreams. That's why I'm here. Oh, well, Hardy White has infiltrated it. And those movies like that, that doesn't that how it looks. Forget all that. Forget everything you've, you've learned. We're doing a type of uh, cinema that where the theater is going to die. A type of cinema that is extraordinary and mystical and transient and, and temporary and cosmic. You know, not the type of weird pictures and anything. The one that you participate in, the movie you're in. And those, those dreams, that space. Where is it? What's going on? That half-vague world where I live sometimes. Sometimes I'm conscious that it's not reality. Sometimes I am not. And when I am there in my dreams, 
I guess I feel as if I have a past and I have a future, but it's not always the one I have when I'm waking. So I'm not sure how that story goes or what I'm, uh, I'm doing or who I am always when I'm there. But uh, I know that there's characters there that are not, that I didn't really make. Everything is sort of imposed on me, this outside world, I guess. Oh, I want to come into your dreams. What are you doing there, Hardy? I'm just sitting here. I'm sitting here like, you know, like there'll be an old man on a bench in an old kung fu movie. And say, old man, who are you? And you go, I'm just sitting here. Don't mind me. That kind of thing. Ha ha. So I'm, sh 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 uh, who? And uh, I'm just sitting here. I'm waiting for something. I'm waiting for when you need me. And then I hope I'll be some benevolent imaginary force that you can use as a character. You know, they had stock characters back in the day. Um, Plumpulous or something. Back when they had stock clown characters and everything. You know, and uh, um, who's the pompous one? Scaramouche or something. I don't know. I can't, I don't remember the differences um, Bulgario, Bologio, and I want to be that for you, a stock character in your imagination, a bit player in your dreams, a bit player, yes, but part of the studio system of your deepest fantasies. Who are we going to get to be in this one? I think Hardy White would be a good one to play, man at the store who hands you back this thing you dropped. What's the thing? It's a decoupage box that you made in Scouts for your grandmother. All right, and so that'll be my role. I'm working hard at it now. I hope I don't mess up my lines. Oh, uh, I'm going to get a chance to get in my own message while I'm in there. I'm going to hand you back that box, and you'll go, thank you, and I'll go, I love you, like that, and you'll be creeped out, maybe, but maybe you won't. It'll be funny to see what you do in your dream. You might stab me in the throat because sometimes all options are on the table in the dream. If nothing can happen. I was told that about cartoons. Say, but is Barney hurt? You know, is Fred hurting Barney with the bowling ball? No, it's just pretending in cartoons. Now, the voice actors are actually hurting one another often. I wonder if it was like that. Shut up, Mel. Shut up, Mel. Shut up, Mel. Uh, shut up, Mel. I know the base. There's an old second season of Flintstones. Mel Blank was in a car accident. And he couldn't do the voice for a while, so Dawes Butler took over. Hi, Fred. That's when they had, or something like that. So, um, and then he came back. But maybe it wasn't a car accident. You know, that's what a lot, that's the rumor. The rumor is that, uh, is that Alan Reed played Fred Flintstone. Well, you know. Shut up over oh, the 15th time. Um, Mel Blanc. And it kept going like that. Oh, I know. He would do it. And he hadn't even done this voice yet. He'd do the betty, uh, betty, betty, betty robot voice from Buck Rogers. And even though this was like 30 years before that even happened or 20 years, betty, 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 that would drive Alan Reed crazy. I can't take it. 
I must destroy this thing that's irrationally provoking me. Why, I do not know. It's some lack of control. I feel I wish I had a world that I could lucid dream, where I could make things that hurt me go away, that individuals that caused me pain or distress would vanish in a puff of smoke. Not smoke, but I don't want to breathe that in. Like vapor. Puff oh, of scented vapor. That'd be nice. So there's my enemy. Oh, oh, that's nice. It's like a blast from one of those uh, fragrance things from the wall. It's better than that, man. You know what's in that fragrance thing in a wall? Like uh, $150 an ounce fragrance from a niche house. Super nice, super high end. And you say, yes, yes, I wish, does Tom Ford make like a wall vaporizer thing? And you go, that's that's incredible, man. What are the uh, replacement cartridges? And you go, oh, they're like $450. $450? But doesn't the room smell great, though, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And why? We don't know why. Who knows why things are the way they do? The best dreams are the way they are because they have natural ingredients like ambergris or armpit. And uh, they make it real. That's the great thing. And you don't have to share them. So the things that you enjoy deep down, there's no obligation for confession, I don't think. I hope I'm not telling you wrong because I've never done that. I've never told people things that I thought weren't their business that are happening deep in my heart. I guess that's wrong. You're supposed to tell somebody in the government. Not the government. You think, oh, in the church. I don't know. No, I don't know. I'm not going to. We'll do it for art's sake. I will trick you by using art, and you will confess your heart, Hardy, because you'll want to pour it all onto that canvas. What canvas? Not a, can- not a literal canvas. This is sound canvas for like, paints and stuff. No, I meant like a sound canvas. <gasps> Wait a minute. That doesn't kind of that doesn't hold true for me because a sound canvas, you're missing a dimension. See, that's the thing. There's a dimension gone there. This has a fourth dimension, what I'm doing right now, and that's time. Time's elusive. That's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Well, the future. Now that now we're about halfway through the show. What's the future that what's the second half of the show gonna be? Just like the first one? Does the future at the point of now, does it sort of mirror each other so that the near future and the near past have some, some relationship? Yeah, they're right next to each other. So the point of now is moving through them and they're dominoes that are next to one another. Are they, though? Maybe. Listen to me. I'm going to tell you the dream I had now. And it stunned me. And I'm not sure where it came from. But I was thinking about time, and then I went to sleep at night. And I know I dreamt quite a bit during the night, but there was one incident that stuck with me. I was with people. I was trying to tell them all something very important. And one particular person, I put my hand on their shoulder, and I said, look at me. Look me in the eye. And then I said to them, You were born a second ago, and you'll die a second from now. You were created a second ago, 
and you will leave a second from now, I said, as I looked deep in their eyes. And I was convinced that I was supposed to deliver an important message that I was, uh, you know, a courier or something. And then when I woke up, I thought, oh, my gosh, that's such a, that's a kind of, what a stoner dorm room thing to say. Oh, you are all, there is only the eternal now. You were born a second ago and you'll die a second from now. And I was laughing at how pompous I was in the dream and everything. And then I thought, wait a minute. It's true in the dream. I was saying it to a character in my dream who I was perceiving to have had like autonomy. They seemed that they were a person that had a beginning and a, had a past, had a future. And when I looked at them, I said, you were born a second ago and you'll die a second from now. I think I was talking to a dream character for which that is true. Now, in the dream, I didn't know I was dreaming. That's, I know that. I thought I was given some kind of, you know, Hardy White, give him one of these vaguely profound but ultimately nonsensical talks. And I was like, well, wait, wait a minute. What a strange thing. And now the, the memory of that, now the memory of that dream, and every time I tell you this, it's updated. So it isn't even where I put it because I've told you a story about it and I've interpreted it and now it's moved to another place. I that with stories of our past. Let me tell you about the time that I got sick at the nursery school fun day. I remember I was really nauseous. I thought that it was the hot dog that made me throw up. There was a sack race. I wore a cowboy hat. Fun. Years later, I read about that day in my grandmother's diary. And I recognized it. And I said, I remember that day. And she had added on the on the end of it, though, they shot Robert Kennedy. I guess my people at my nursery school know. But that was the, I never knew that. So I had now a couple versions of that memory. The one that happened when I was little that I really do, I think, initially have remembered because it made an impact. And I probably refreshed that a few times. And then I was refreshing that memory by recalling it right up to the point where I read about that. And now it's moved to another place in my brain. This past, more current past, refurbished past. I do that. I buy up property in my deep past and I flip it. I refurbish it and I, I pass it off as my past. But really, it's just a modernized version. Isn't that great? Oh, I came here to tell you about my dream, but I also came here to infiltrate yours. And that's not a bad thing because they say, you're trying to get into my head. No, it won't be me. Yes, it'll be you. So I'm not worried. Uh, and then I'll just be representing some aspect of yourself. And hopefully it's the person that thinks about a simple thing. 
Now, it's great to think about a, a simple thing because it can get uh, your thinking can lead to a completely uh, a feet and empty uh, place. Some conclusions. Oh, that's good. Okay, all is nothing. Well, that's helpful. Or it can give you specific solutions to problems. You say, well, I'm having trouble uh, meeting people, but now Hardy has suggested getting a ventriloquist dummy. And that might, might not work for you. It might not work for anybody. Does that work for anybody? It must have in the past at some point. So what I need is a ventriloquist dummy. Could you imagine a child going, boy, look at that fellow on stage. You know, I want, I want to be him. I don't know that that happens anymore. I wonder if it does. But um, I might have been that child. I don't know. I certainly was like for magic or anybody or even people if they were just like, he's rubbing goo in his hair. I love it. You know, you could just do something humiliating or silly. And I'd say, ah, oh, that, that, that's resonating with me right there. Uh, that person. And I think it was just the attention it ended up being, right? So if I was having a dream, maybe I'd be on stage and every, there's like people out there and they're all loving everything I'm saying and I'm just, I'm, they're laughing. Now that sounds frightening, doesn't it? But how do I, how could I, how do I imagine people loving me? Because if I can't imagine it, it's not going to happen. So if I'm going to do a, a version of it, let's say, so I'm, let's say I'm at a party. That's it. People are coming up to me, and they're like, "I love your work," and they're making prayer hands. And then when they do, their 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 hors d'oeuvres drop, and then I I bend down to pick it up. They bend down to pick it up. We bonk heads and we laugh. We go, "We're just humans." I keep saying, "We're just humans," like that. And then they'll go, "You're so gracious for being." So I'm world in my dream I'm world famous for a lot of its entertainment and art some of it's also my accomplishments in very soft sciences I don't know what they are very very soft science where you don't really need tangible evidence of things there's no sort of quote proving I guess that's poetry so maybe I'm a I'm a famous poet and uh, that's a little pressure, though, because you're afraid. What if I say, I pronounce a word wrong? They go, I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. Aren't you supposed to be the best of the best when it comes to language? You go, know, I don't know, you know. I want, I want to be your, your, your beau ideal. It's not, it's not beau ideal, it's ideal. Oh, no. Uh, all those things can happen. So when I start imagining a world like that, a world of hearty dream where I can get everything I need and want, that joy, the love, oh, acceptance of others, I have no idea what it looks like. And every time I imagine a scenario, it uh, obviously it, it starts to deteriorate into something unexpected because I can't quite project the future. I can't quite see it. And the future is like porn in the, you, you know it when you see it. That's a quote from a Supreme Court justice. But it's, it's true. It's like, yes, now this is the, I, 
I've been saying, you see that on Twitter a lot, I have been saying this. I have been saying. If you've seen my past tweets, I have been saying this, and now this is the future is here, and now I have been saying that, though. So that's, a, that's interesting. Um, also, the, since the past is up for interpretation, you could be the person who discovered some event in the past. Can you imagine that? It was always there. So is it, are you really discovering it? People are like, oh, discovered America. Well, you know, did it need discovering? Uh, what does that even mean? So if you're discovering an event in the past, what does that even mean, too? It means you're elevating it. You're refurbishing it. You're taking it out of its timeline. Yes, it caused things. Now it's going to cause them again or cause different things as we grab it and bring it in to the present so that everything has these weird tentacles and strings moving, connecting them to to times, but off the off the causal linear timeline. I am uh, also. <laughs> I have uh, watched nothing. Say when it. Here's the thing about nonsense. It just lulls you in. It's lovely. There's some wonderful words. We have some words in our language that describe nothing, that are devoid of any visual imagery, just lead you to a sort of pictureless thoughtscape where nothing is really tangible. And then, poof, like it can just evaporate. So... I had very I had a lot of trouble like that in any kind of philosophy class where things were too abstract for me. I was always thought, you know, break this down to a can this be broken down to a Nancy cartoon? Is there any way to just like Bushmiller like distill the elements to three rocks? So there's three rocks, there's a hose, there's a fence. Right, and what's the relationship to one another? I need specifics, and and I don't know a lot of things. Now it seems to me I came in with my my stupid superpowers, you know, because there's when you talk about different concepts, you know, people have been trying to figure them out for years, you know, love or God or anything like that, and really. Uh, all those, a lot of those words have lost meaning, or the meaning is so up for grabs that it's it's wonderful, and it attracts absurd people like myself, who are, who are all about like oh my gosh. So there's a chaotic way to behave that if you don't, if you doubt everything, if you think that nothing is true or real then you also believe anything. Now, there's a good and a bad version of that. So there's, there's dark wizards and there's white wizards. So if you believe anything, you can be absolutely insane and convinced of that fiction is real. And it can be very harmful. But if you, you can also use the powers of self, self-deception and reality creation to become empowered and to surf 
across future possibilities, to transcend reality, to dream in a way that expands uh, your heart, your joy, your capacity to feel uh, goodness and to live without fear. And so I say, yes, you may find yourself in a world that makes no sense and that is absurd. And I say to you, imagine that you are dreaming without the part that makes you want to like, well, I'm just going to uh, kill the fellow at the bus station. No. No, no. Because the, the thing is that the dream uh, does it, it seem real. It does seem like there's forever. Things have consequences, even in dreams. We just don't know what they are as much because we're not as used to them. Oh, my friend. I was born just a second ago and I'm going to die in a second. There's no time right now. We're outside of it. And so I can just speak to you, uh, one human to another. And what I feel is necessary to do, which is uh, reach out and say, I am like I have been for every week that I've talked to you for the last 10 years or more. Confused, baffled, no closer to finding a truth or an answer or even a way to live my life. I Maybe I keep getting kind of used to certain things. I'm not sure. Ah, I know it's different than it was, but I am still in the dark and I have no answers. And I still am not convinced that I have anything that you need other than a perspective that's not yours. And you could basically get that from a chatty person in the seat next to you in the airport. I fulfill the same role. Why are you on the radio? I don't know. Let's not say it very loudly. I don't want it to change because I love it. <gasps> because I love it. To me, it is like... Oh, gosh, when you're a little kid and you see somebody on a stage like a ventriloquist and you go, I want, that's what I want to do. I love all the people laughing. I don't know that I like that. I go, I wish there weren't people there, though. <laughs> Maybe I thought that. I would love to be on a stage, but the, uh, maybe the theater's empty. Or there's a two-way glass, and all I can see when I'm on this stage is, can I, oh, I got to do my own voice. Ugh is a reflection of myself. I don't see you. I see me. But it's just a reflection of me, and you're really there. So it's just I've seen my face on you, which helps me understand something, that you're me over there. I'm you over here. We live different lives, so you know things are going to be probably different going to look different, act different, talk different. But some things are going to be the same. Some things are going to be very the same. And that is how you feel about pain and fear. You're longing for joy or peace or acceptance. Oh, wouldn't it be wonderful to walk around like a celebrity? I saw a celebrity walking around, a really big one walking around, and, and I thought, he looks terrified. 
and and uh, you know I know this per I don't know this person I know them to be very uh, a sensitive and smart person and how strange it must be to be known by more than you know and that might be the case with me but I'll tell you it's what's unknown about me that's the the blessing because that's your own color it in a coloring book is bet is a coloring book better than a graphic novel it depends who inked it you know sometimes you go oh maybe i could just get it uh, like just inked uncolored and then maybe i could do a better job or something but it does allow you to participate in this thing this relationship so you'll never imagine yourself Johnny Carson. But Hardy White, maybe. People said, I had you in my dream, and I'm always doing something wonderfully ordinary. I go, what was I doing? They go, you, were, you asked if I had a sandwich or you made me a sandwich or something like that. I love it. Good. That's exactly right. I'm just a placeholder. It's just better than it being Fred Flintstone, which is very jarring when you're in a dream and you go, that one fella doesn't look real. And I don't want to look. But he looks like maybe he's not real. Or that, that's, uh, that he's made of something else. Uh, he's a cell. He's a two-dimensional Hanna-Barbera cell. Hmm. That's my cell. That's my, if, I, if we have a revolution or something, my cell will be an old 60s Hanna-Barbera cell. Who will you gather with? Oh, uh, codename Snagglepuss is one um, person. People like that. Is Megillah Gorilla, is that Hanna-Barbera? That was nice. That was a cartoon that I grew up with, and I still don't really, really understand the premise, which I think there's a gorilla in a pet store. And you go, well, it was the 30s. <laughs> I don't know. Like, there's, didn't there used to be budgies and stuff at, at, at uh, five and dime stores? And you go, I guess, like, you know, I think, yeah, I think um, well, like Walgreens used to have birds in the back and turtles. And I suppose old timey shops had gorillas. And things like that. Now, I know that other people my age have pointed this out and they go, Isn't that crazy? Hair bear bunch? What's that? With? But I'm, I'm pointing it out in a, in a not in, to get a laugh or nostalgia. I'm getting it out to sort of out the infiltration of these cynical images and into our consciousness and uh, their permanence. And I'm here to say this. Your brain now, because of this, is like a strange mid-century modern house that has some very odd built-ins. Hardy, what can I do with these built-ins? How can I modify them so that they're not interrupting the feng shui of my house, the flow of energy in this weird mid-century Modern house. The intercom's not working anymore either. All right, we'll get to that. Thank you. You've come to the right place. Those are the 
messages that I am conveying. Not of the, remember? Not of that variety. Oh, no. These are pain. These should be like, you know, member, uh, let's feel a little pain. Let's confront uh, the trauma of the exploitation of our inner visual landscape, our worldview, which now has these crudely drawn, uh, oddly angular figures with a very, very limited and unimaginative palette as well. So those colors are, oh, it's a bland. It's no, it's, it is no coincidence that, that they're also vitamins. Say, so, oh, you'll, you'll, the kids will eat the sugary cereal. But that, their love for the, the Flintstones is so great that they will eat medicine if it's Flintstone shape. Really? Yes. If you put it in a, um, I know people like this with the Simpsons. You could, uh, this is poison, but it has Homer's face on it. You go, oh, I love it. There's just something uh, nostalgic and override things. And it's a Trojan horse for values and for lots of things, concept of time and everything. It's, a, it's an implant, hypnotic implant, that triggers infantilism. And you'll be shown an image and you will revert to, the, to that age and suddenly you know things can be yelled at you and you'll just do them so it'd be like you know put that put those pop tart wrappers away or something you'll go do it even if I don't know how that would translate to an adult unless you I still eat pop tarts is that wrong you, nothing's wrong really I'm not we're not here to I'm not here to judge or I'd have my fun wig and my robe and uh, I'd have something on under the robe I learned the hard way, and uh, my gosh, we're coming near the end of the time together. Permanently? Maybe. I, I can't speak for me or you. Who knows? Nothing's guaranteed. Maybe no tomorrow. But I'm glad we were together today. So glad and so grateful that we're alive on earth at the same time. How romantic. Woo, how crazy. What a crazy messed up experience. I love it. We're alive. This is a special time. It's wacky. Let's unite our hearts and unite our minds. There's nothing that says we can't transform the world in an instant. Oh, ha, hoo-ha. Well, maybe there is something, but we'll discuss it at our fun meeting. It's the meetings are the point because that's where we eat together and we go, what are you going to do? That's the end of every meeting. Ends like that, but that's okay. We keep getting together. I love you. You are listening to WFMU East Orange, WMFU. You are listening to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White on WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, 91.9 in Rockland County in New York City, New York. And online worldwide at WFMU.org. Oh, I'm so glad to know you. I'm so glad to be with you. And I will see you again next week.
twins name was ebony her name was mahogany 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 twins name was ebony
to all of you. Welcome all. Join us in our tribute to peace and beauty. Come and walk with us, dance with us, sing with us, join us in peace and love. Walk with us, dance with us, sing with us, rejoice with us, join us in peace and love. <laughs> 